Welcome to the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. I'm your host, Gary Durbin. I've been a worship leader for over 20 years, and I've learned a lot from so many on this journey. On this podcast, we'll have conversations and explore the dynamics of leading worship in the local church. How's your heart? Do you lead with adoration for God and people, or do you lead with ambition for yourself? That's a tough and pointed question, and it's one I've had to ask myself occasionally over the years. On this episode, I talked to Todd Stanley about having a pastor's heart, even as a worship leader. Todd began leading worship at the age of 15, and he has served in full-time ministry for over 28 years. The majority of those years were spent as a worship pastor, and leading worship continues to be part of his ministry. He currently serves as the discipleship pastor at Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. I'm excited for you to hear Todd's experience and heart. He's been serving faithfully for many years and has some great insight, wisdom, and perspective about ministry. So here's my conversation with Todd Stanley. Hey, Todd, welcome to the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. I'm so grateful to have you on this episode. Hey, Gary, thanks, man. It's it's good to be here. So we met in Nashville several years ago at a songwriters retreat conference. And the thing I remember about you, I think the first time I remember you was I was it was like after hours and we were. Uh, I want to say at Michael Farron's office or something like that. Okay. And I was with someone else. Me and this guy were were riding together. Yeah. And I and you were with someone else riding in another room. And I just remember your voice. Like you're you got a oh. boom booming voice, man. <laughs> yeah, I uh uh soft is not a word I would use to describe my voice, probably uh I, yeah i remember as a kid even my dad said i don't know didn't never knew how to whisper so, <laughs> yeah. so where are you from originally because we're we'll t- I, I got an, a thought about where you're at right now but where are you from originally uh, i grew up in arkansas mm-hmm. uh, in the very southwest corner of the state in in texarkana which is uh right on the border of arkansas and texas right. uh you you referenced michael Farron. he and i actually grew up uh together we played little league baseball together but he lived on the texas side of Mm. texarkana and i lived on the arkansas side nice yeah right now you're living in indiana pennsylvania right which is not confusing at all right no no i actually googled to see if there's a pennsylvania indiana and i think because i thought that would be great but it doesn't exist so just just indiana Pennsylvania. You're not well, that far from me. So that's really cool. Yeah, just a couple hours, a couple hours. But in Pennsylvania, there are all of these cities that are named after other states. There's an Oklahoma, Pennsylvania. There's a, a California, Pennsylvania. There's a, it's, it's really weird. That's wild. They must have yeah. just ran out of names for cities. I guess so. They weren't all that creative around here, I suppose, when it came to naming <laughs> cities. After the retreat, we kept a connection. And in the midst of that time, I was writing my book, more than a worship leader, which is what this podcast is based off of. And I remember reaching out to you and you were gracious to be a beta reader and you checked it out and then you eventually endorsed it. So on the back of my book, you see the endorsement from Todd Stanley. Yeah, but I'm sure that sold you 
two or three copies. Oh uh, yeah, man. <laughs> but no, man, I was I was really glad to do that. Uh, and it's been it's been a great tool. I've shared it uh, with with my teams. I've recommended it to other worship pastors. Uh, thank you for putting in the time and and sharing your heart and your gift with with us. It's been a a you know a a gift. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it, man. So right now you're an associate pastor at your church, and we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But you were a worship leader before that for many years. So yeah. one of the questions I ask everybody that comes on this podcast is, what is like an embarrassing or funny moment you could share that happened to you on stage? All right. Uh, so uh, when when I was younger, uh, like a lot of other kids, I had braces, um, but I had two of my teeth that that never came in. And so when I had braces, they created space for me to get implants, right? For me to get, you know, those those teeth in their right spots. Uh, but for a while, I had to wear this kind of like partial this little flipper thing that I would take out. It was kind of like my retainer, but it had teeth on it. Uh, and so over time, that thing got a little kind of loose. Um, and, uh, if, so I would, I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal background. So things got, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, demonstrative kind of worship. And I was leading worship at, uh, at a youth, uh, retreat. And, uh, I was, talking in between songs and I was I was pretty excited there was there was a lot going on the spirit of God was moving and I was uh I, I tend to to be pretty animated when I speak and and I'm I'm really exhorting these young people to to go after God and uh my teeth flew out of my mouth um and somehow I caught them uh at about arm's length uh, in front of my face and shoved them back into my mouth and just kept going. Um, but I, I don't know of anyone else. I've never met another worship leader who has spat out their teeth uh, while they were leading worship. But I, I, I did, and uh, the the room kind of stopped. You know, there was all this stuff that was going on, but the room kind of stopped, and it was kind of like, did we just? see what i think we just saw so they actually saw it happen and you yeah. knew they saw it oh yeah yeah did the music stop or did you guys no keep going? the band kept playing to to their credit uh but <laughs> but it was uh it was hard to get the room back so you've been in ministry for 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 quite a while uh can you just share your journey to ministry and through ministry and what what you've been doing all these years? Oh gosh, uh, ministry is all I ever said I wanted to do. Uh, even I mean, uh, my mom kept scrapbooks when I was in school, and uh, so at the end of my kindergarten year in school, when it said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I I had put the same thing that my dad did. My dad was uh, he worked for Cooper Tire for the tire, you know the the Cooper Tire Company. Um, and uh, so I put that I wanted to work for Cooper Tire like my dad did. Uh, but by the end of my first grade year, it said preacher. Uh, and so that's 
ministry is all I ever wanted to do. I I'd like that never changed from the time that I was very, very young. I just knew uh, that this is what I was called and, and created to do. Uh, and so uh, started leading worship uh, when I was about 15. Um, started leading worship in my youth group and and then uh, as part of the worship team at my church uh, growing up. Uh, and so uh, out of college, went straight into full-time ministry. Uh, so I've been, you know, involved in full-time ministry. I say full-time. I have I have been bivocational at times, but for all intents and purposes, full-time ministry, right? Uh, since since my early 20s and I'm will be 49 this June. So been doing this for a, for a while now. And um, any of you guys who are in ministry know it's not always easy, but man, this has been the best possible journey for me. I, I, I would not trade it for anything. So how many years have you been in ministry total? Um, let's see, I took my first staff position when I was 22. So 26 years, 26 years. And most of those years, your title was in the worship arts or worship leader, worship pastor realm, right? Yeah. So the, my, my first staff position was as a youth pastor, uh, but I was leading worship as well. It was one of those kind of, uh, you know, dual dual role kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so from my earliest days in ministry, I've been leading worship. Uh, but my my official title at that point was was youth pastor. Uh, and then there was a three year period where where I was the lead pastor of a church plant. Um, but outside of those two things, and I was a youth pastor for for three years and a, a lead pastor for about three years. So for 21 of those uh, what would that be? Would that be right? Yeah. 20 of those 25, 26 years, uh, I've, my title was was worship pastor. Uh, and so I've I've done that um, for obviously for the bulk of of my ministry career and uh, have gone through a lot of the changes, man. I'm you know, I was wearing wearing a suit <laughs> mm -hmm. every service uh, when I started and had mm -hmm. to direct a choir, yep. all of that kind of stuff all the way to you know, uh, where we're at now. Yeah. I did the same thing. I led choirs, wore the suit. I used to tell people I would be directing a choir with a special number. And then I'd have to turn around put my guitar on and lead worship. You know it. <laughs> so you know it. So I don't miss those days, but they taught me a lot of, um, valuable things and i guess in a way I, i'm pretty well-rounded because of all that so i'm thankful for those days for sure yeah yeah you know and i mean there are things that that i learned during those times is you know that uh that i've been able to utilize over the years you know uh when you're directing a choir you you definitely have to pay attention to harmonies and blending and all that kind of stuff and 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 those tools don't go away just because the the group of vocalists is smaller. In fact, in some ways, it's even more important when it's a smaller group. And so uh, those have been valuable, valuable tools. Yeah. So when you were younger, you said your occupation dream changed to preacher. Yeah. What made you change that? 
I have to say it was the Lord. I, I, you know, even at that young of an age, I mean, I was six years old, but like, I just, there was just something in me that knew, you know, it's like, um, I mean, how does anyone explain that they were called into ministry? I don't, I don't know that we have an explanation for that other than we heard the voice of God. And I don't know that there's an age limit on that. And so even as a kid, I feel like that, that God just captured my heart. And that I, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to uh, tell people about Jesus, you know, and I wanted to help people grow. Uh, I don't know that I would have articulated it that way at that young of an age, but that's really what that what that was all about. Yeah, sounds definitely like a pastor's heart. You know, we we talked about the fact that, you know, for the bulk of my ministry, worship pastor or worship leader has been my title. Um, but that's really not ever what I set out to do. Uh, I, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to, you know, to see people grow and help disciple people. Uh, and, but what I decided early on was that whatever gifts that I had that I could utilize in that regard, that I could utilize toward that end, that I would do that. And whatever, whatever doors the Lord opened, that I would be, you know, willing to walk through those and I think sometimes we can confuse role with calling. And so, uh, you know, I just made up my mind that, look, my calling is to pastor. And whatever role that my giftings allow me to fill, I will fill that role and I will serve. And, uh, you know, I was fairly gifted as a, a singer and a musician. And so those were kind of doors that opened. And so I just continued to to step into those those places and into those, you know, opportunities and, and man, it was incredible. And I've, I, God's been really faithful. Um, but I'll be honest when I say that, like, for me, it wasn't that I set out to be a musician or worship leader. I set out to be a pastor and leading worship was a means to pastoring, if that makes sense. Yeah. It reminds me of something that I tell my worship teams, which is the idea of serving, you know, we're all called to serve. God has called us all to serve for his kingdom. It just so happens when I'm, when I'm talking to the team, I said, it just so happens that we're serving with our musical gifts. You right. know, some of us are singers and musicians and tech people, and it doesn't make us any more special than anyone else. It just yeah. means this is the way God's gifted us. And we're going to serve God with these gifts. Right. You know, and so, you know, it's one of those things where, and I haven't always gotten it right. You know, I mean, my, you know, I'm like anyone else. Uh, sometimes I can enjoy uh, the spotlight and the attention more than I should, you know. Um, but I have, I have always made my aim and my, my desire to be that, that, you know, whatever, uh, whatever role I was asked to fill, you know, whatever that might be, whether it's on the stage, whether it's off the stage, whether it's, you know, um, I mean, if it's cleaning the toilets, whatever it might, you know, whatever it might be, if I can serve people and if I can honor the Lord, then I, I want to be willing to do that. Uh, and so, man, I always caution whether it's musicians on my team or young young worship leaders or or pastors that I get the opportunity to mentor and pour into like um if if we put stipulations on on things if they you know if, if there's ever a point at which I say 
well, Lord, if I can't do that, then I don't want to do anything. Man, I, I think that's that's a really dangerous place to be, and we have to check our hearts in that. And so it's always been my my aim to just say, God, whatever whatever I am able to do and whatever doors you open, that's what I, I'll, I'll step through those. I'll, I want to be faithful to, to go wherever you call me. Yeah. I love that, man. Love that heart. You and I come from similar eras when we entered ministry, the landscape was a lot different than it is right now as we entered churches and we're serving and we're leading worship. Yes. So compared to back then to now, what do you see? You you mentioned the idea of conditional serving a little bit. Like I want things to be this way and that way. Now that the worship boom has really happened and it's a big thing, yeah. what do you what do you see are some of the dangers right now, you know, with that worship leaders have that can they can, that can make them get into that conditional mode? Um honestly, it's 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 really some of the same pitfalls that uh, anybody with a public platform can fall into. I don't know that that the the pitfalls are unique to worship leaders. Uh, I think the the cultural landscape that we find ourselves in is such that um, there's a real premium or value, an inordinate value, really placed on on celebrity or on building a platform on, you know, on likes and views and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and whether you're a worship pastor or, or uh, you know, a teaching pastor or, or whether you're not even in ministry at all, honestly, the danger for us is to place our sense of identity and value in those things and pursue those things and think that if, if I can build this platform, then somehow either A, it's going to validate me, which is a really dangerous thing, or two, it's going to validate my ministry or somehow that, you know, and neither one of those is true and, and neither one of those will uh, will fill the deep longings of our soul and of our heart. Um, and that's always been true, right? I mean, even before the days of social media, uh, if it's there's a danger always as a as a worship leader uh for us to to draw our sense of worth and value from whether or not the people that we're playing in front of uh whether or not they think we can sing well or whether or not they like our music or whether or not you know uh we can we can tend to draw our sense of identity and value from that uh rather than leaning into our uh, who we are as as sons and daughters of God, uh, and then, and well, and then our ministry suffers as a result of that. You know, we uh, guys, you know, guys or girls, whatever, you know, fall into, um, you know, moral failure or burnout or uh, you know any number of things because we we're trying to fill a hole that only Jesus can fill. You, you mentioned the public platform. That wasn't even a term I thought about when I got into ministry. It yeah. just it wasn't even a thing, I don't think. Especially for worship leaders, it wasn't even, I wouldn't say it was a big thing. But uh, yeah, with the emergence of social media and the internet and all the things that, that have happened and having that platform, 
uh, yeah, it's become a danger. I really, I really believe that. And I, I think, um, when I think about what's happened to worship leaders now, there's definitely a pressure to be cool. There's definitely a pressure, um, to model what people see on YouTube or whatever it may be. And if you get there, or if you find your worth or your identity, like you talked about, I think you almost can be in danger of feeling like you deserve to be there too. Yeah. So I remember as a young, young man, uh, I, I toured and tried, I say toured regional stuff, right? Not, you know, uh, but I traveled with a band, right? And we did youth conventions and we did summer camps and, you know, that kind of thing. And well, I just remember, I remember standing at our merch table, right? At the end of a night, one night, and there were a line of kids and they want you to sign your autograph, which is just the weirdest thing. Um, I was feeling a little too good about myself, uh, to be honest. And I remember as I was standing there uh, and I'm signing all this stuff, uh, I, I heard, you know, I heard the voice of the Lord whisper in my ear and say, that belongs to me. Hmm. And uh, I knew immediately that what the Lord was saying to me was that I was I was taking glory that did not belong to me, that I was, you know, whether those kids were intending for glory to terminate on me or not, I was allowing that to happen. I was willing for that to happen. And man, I was, I got, I mean, there's just like this sense of conviction just was like, oh, it's like, oh Lord, you know, but I, I like, and that's, that's on a super small scale, right? But the point that I'm making is that that is a, that is a real danger, and especially when in the environment that we have now, where this this instant gratification with the likes and all of those kinds of things, where um, and and you know I don't know if you've looked you know how much of reading you've done on this stuff, but like literally the dopamine cycle in your brain and all of that kind of stuff that you know, and so it. Le legitimately can be a drug for people and then that's a dangerous place to be as a worship leader because then we you know we start feeding off of that thing rather than feeding on jesus you know and on his presence and on his word and uh, you know and the things that really will nourish our soul that's good yeah it can possibly lead to a downfall yeah. You know, instead of us succeeding in our ministry. So you are now an associate pastor. You've been a worship pastor for years in other roles, but mainly worship. But now you're steadily in an associate pastor role at your church with discipleship. Yeah. Now, with your perspective, what would you say to worship leaders would be what is success as a worship leader? Well, man, I think success as a worship leader is measured in the same way that success for any other follower of Christ is. And that is faithfulness, right? If, if you are faithfully pursuing relationship with Jesus and you're being faithful to do the things that he's called you to do, that's success, right? It's not measured in, uh, in, in numbers. It's not measured in, you know, um, you know, and here's the thing, like, if we're being faithful to what God's called us to do, then then some of those other metrics will come along with that. I truly believe that. 
but those can't be the things that that we are aiming at. Uh, we have to be aiming at at faithfulness. You know, I, I often think about uh, you know Jeremiah. You know, at the beginning of his ministry, I mean, God essentially told him, "Hey, I want you to go and preach to these people." By the way, no one's going to listen. Right. Jeremiah never had a single convert in his ministry, but he was successful because he was faithful. Hmm. Right? He was obedient to what God had called him to do. And so I think that has to be our measure of success. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't look at other things and and have other other goals that we want you know, to accomplish alongside that. But it can't ever be at the expense of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Faithfulness has to be our number one priority. Now, uh, now part of being faithful, right, would be developing your team, helping them to grow as musicians, investing in them as followers of Christ, helping them to grow in their faith, ensuring that they're being formed into the image of Christ, that they're being discipled, uh, knowing your people uh, that knowing the people that you're serving, the people in your church, you know, don't don't just be a guy or a girl on the platform. Don't be just a leader on the platform. Be someone who's in the lobby, who knows the people who are invested in them and involved in a small group and like know what's going on in their lives, that that you're praying with them, that you're, you know, all of those aspects of of that because that's the thing that you know Jesus God cares about the people uh he's not really all that concerned with how great our band is hmm. in fact i would say and i think i heard tim keller say this uh he said you know um you know uncle jimmy's nephew who's visiting from out of town and plays an out of tune saxophone solo for the offertory if he does that with a heart to make a joyful noise to the Lord, the Lord is just as pleased with that offering as he is with the most polished production that we might have, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's our heart that God is after. And so that doesn't mean that we don't pursue excellence, right? We should do that because, because we want to give our very best to the Lord. Um, but if we the priorities have to be in the right order and faithfulness has to be first. What what has been key to longevity in ministry for you? Because you've been in ministry for a while. So yeah. what would you say to, to, to those who are listening right now uh, and give them some advice on really having longevity when it comes to ministry? The first thing I'll say is honestly, I've been fortunate to work with some, some really great pastors over the years. Uh, and And that's, you know that's been such a blessing. Um, beyond, beyond that, I would I'd say a couple of things. Uh, ministry is hard, right? Uh, if you love people, if you care about people, you're going to have your heart broken from time to time. Um, there are going to be seasons where you feel out of sync with your lead pastor if you're a worship pastor, or you know, and and. And there's some hard work sometimes that has to be done to get back on the same page. Or sometimes, unfortunately, there may be a time where you feel like, okay, we're going to have to part ways. Like I'm going to have to to move somewhere else or whatever. Um, But the thing that we have to remember is the same thing that I would tell, you know, 
someone in my congregation or on my team who's sitting down with me that's going through a difficult time or the truths of God's word, right? That these light afflictions work for us a weight of eternal glory. And so there's there's something uh, of eternal value that I'm working toward. And so that makes enduring the difficult seasons uh, worth it. Like I, I try to keep the end in mind rather than looking at the, you know, the temporary difficulties that may be going on, the frustrations that I may be having. Um, and I think part of it too is, man, like, look, I would just say, know that you are called to this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the worst thing you can do is become a worship leader because you like being a musician. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of other ways to make music uh, that will be that will involve a lot less heartache, to be honest with you, than being a worship pastor or worship leader, right? You have to know that you're called to this. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I never set out to be a worship leader. I set out to be a pastor. Leading worship was a means to that. Uh, I knew that my calling was to serve the church. And so, you know, you have to know that that's your calling. Uh, and if you know that that's your calling, then that means that it's worth whatever hardship might come because, because God's in it. Hmm. Well said longevity in ministry is a beautiful thing. If, if God has blessed you with that and <laughs> it does, it does take enduring some seasons. You know, one of the things that God has taught me recently is that the storms and seasons of life, they don't last forever. Right. They, they do come and go. And so you have to understand that. You have to sit in that and know that God is with you and that it's going to be okay. Oddly enough, uh, I saw a video with Denzel Washington recently uh, and someone asked him, what do you wish that you had known as a young man? And he said that this too shall pass. Right. And he said, he said, that's true of all of it. The success, this too shall pass. The failures, this too shall pass. That none of it is permanent. That everything is temporary, uh, and that we have to we have to be grounded in something beyond this moment. Yeah, worship leading and being in ministry is an amazing experience. As as God leads you and calls you to it, and you're obedient to that, it's awesome. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be bumps in the road or or tragedy or trauma or hard right. things there that's just life yeah but if but if you are where god has called you to be he is with you as well and and we as we're obedient to him yeah we won't regret it that's for sure absolutely you know when i think about people that are coming on this podcast i think of more than a worship leader idea you know the and that's that's what you have shown uh, through your ministry, continue to show. So thank you for your faithfulness, as you mentioned. Thanks for your faithfulness in ministry. And uh, also thanks again for for reading the book and and for your connection. I, I love it. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gary. It's been a privilege, man. All right, thanks, Todd. All right, we'll see you. Todd is someone who exemplifies being more than a worship leader very well. Behind his various roles and titles in ministry, there was a pastor's heart, a heart to love God and people. He mentioned the danger of us worship leaders wanting the spotlight and notoriety. That's a very real danger and something I talked about in my book. Here's what I said. 
When we fall in love with being in the spotlight, we can easily forget the reason we are there, to love God and to love people. Every time I go on stage, I pray and ask God to help me love his people as I lead them in songs of praise. I pray that the church quickly sees God and feels his presence and power. I know the stage and spotlights have a purpose, but my goal is to use them to help people see God more than they see me. Being more than a worship leader is not about being better or having a better title. It's about being more than the status quo or stereotypes. It's about having a pastor's heart, even if we don't have the pastor's title. God isn't calling us to have a title, but he is calling us to have a heart to love as he loves. So let us lead with that kind of love and heart. Stay tuned for the next episode of the More Than a Worship Leader podcast. I'd greatly appreciate you subscribing and sharing. Thanks for listening.